Chakra Girl Radio with Amberly Lyons is an uncut look into the lives of today's influencers to create real conversation about spirituality, modern girl problems, and the balance between vodka and green juice, gurus and Gucci. We're getting real about the chaos, mistakes, and meltdowns that come along with success. Here's your main chakra girl, Amberly Lyons. Welcome to Chakra Girl Radio. I'm your host and spiritual BFF, Amberly Lyons, and we are on a mission to make the world more consciously chic and connected, one activated chakra at a time. Today, we have such an exciting episode that I've been looking forward to. We are talking to Tara Swart, Dr. Tara Swart, guys. She is a neuroscientist, MD, best-selling author, and faculty at MIT Sloan. She is the founder of Tara Swart, Inc., which is a neuroscience-based leadership development consultancy where she is doing executive coaching, keynote speaking, writing amazing books, including a UK bestseller, The Source. And Tara is also an adv- has an advisory position at To Be Magnetic. We love To Be Magnetic. Um, and Heights, which is a smart supplement com- company. And she's a brand ambassador for our aromatherapy associations. So guys, she's like Dr. Science, but also the woo-woo, and I cannot wait to get into all of this. So welcome to the show, Tara. Oh my goodness, thank you so much. That's the best introduction I've ever had, and I have been waiting to speak with you for so long. Yay, same. Okay, let's both share what we're most excited about. You go first. Um, What, today, Amberly? Yes. Yeah. So what I love about working with you and to be magnetic and just the way that we can all work now is managing the time zone. So for me, it's actually very late at night and I'm excited about spending a bit of quality time with my family and then doing my sort of skincare routine for the evening and then going to sleep. Oh, isn't that just the best feeling? A nice like supple skin before you go to bed. And magnesium. I cannot go to sleep without Mm. magnesium. I'm obsessed with it. Same. Do you do like the powder? No, I'm all about transdermal magnesium. So I'll do myself some reflexology or at least just rub some into like, you know, some large areas of my skin before going to bed. Oh, I like that because it's also like doubles as a little self-massage. Exactly. But actually the best way to take magnesium is transdermal, which is via your skin. Oh my goodness. Okay. We're learning so much already. Now I'm, I'm getting this today. (laughs) (laughs) We've heard it from a doctor, you guys. We need to be putting it on our skin. Okay, I'm excited that we decorated for Christmas and we are just, even though everything's kind of gloomy and like weird right now, it's just nice to have the lights up and for, we were like always pumping the Christmas music and the vibes are just different around the holidays. That's so nice. Yeah, I got my advent calendar, but I haven't opened it yet, obviously. Oh, they have so many fun ones now. Like you can get like essential essential oil advent calendars. You can get a different makeup brands do them. I think I need to get a fun one this year. I know. I looked at all of those. They're so expensive. I just went for marzipan and dark chocolate. Oh, that sounds delightful. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Okay, let's do a chakra shout out. Who is helping you or what is helping you on your journey right now? Okay, well, this year, this without a doubt has to be to be magnetic. I mean, I've been so privileged to work with them. But obviously, as part of that, I 
you know, as part of my research, I've had to do all the workshops, um, which has has just helped me so much personally. I've learned so much. I've loved working with the team. I've loved adding the neuroscience and psychology and epigenetics to the work. And it's just one of those gift pieces of work where you just get so much out of it. Mm. Oh my, I'm so glad you said epigenetics. I can't wait to talk about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and yes, we love to be magnetic as well. We, I mean, I don't think we've had, we haven't had her on the show. I don't know if we've reached out to her. That's going to be our next guest. We're doing Yeah. hundred um, percent. Okay. So I want to shout out these guys, their names, they're called Chris and T like, so Chris C H R I S. And then it's like an N and then T E E B. So they're these music producers and they usually produce music for like other like big celebrities, but they got together and created their own album, but it is all like manifestation mantras so it's like really cool like hip-hop beats and it's just them repeating these amazing mantras like they have one for money they have one that's just about that's to listen to in the morning that talks about how your day is going to be amazing and it's like so addictive and I'm just while I'm making my bed in the morning I listen to it and I'm just like grooving out and dancing and it just puts you in the best mood so they're on Spotify and we'll link you guys in the show notes but this needs to be a part of your morning ritual that sounds amazing yeah it's like I do like I love kundalini music but like if you don't know what the words mean sometimes it's not as impactful Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay, amazing. So let's dive into our slumber party questions. What is your morning ritual? So my, my mornings are so full of ritual because although I live in the UK, most of my work is US facing. So it's mostly East Coast, but then um, a little bit like with you, you know, it can go into the West Coast time zone as well. So my day kind of starts late. Um, I'm obsessed with sleep, so I have to have eight hours of sleep. And then it's really like a competition for how many things can you actually do first thing in the morning? I mean, I have my meditation, I have my journaling, I have my forward folds. Um, I'm finding like myself so drawn to yoga at the moment because, you know, there's a global pandemic going on. Everybody's under chronic stress and we need to be doing something to relax our nervous system. And so forward folding and yoga is is absolutely vital. Mm. Um, I'm very keen on the ritual of my morning skincare. I'm not so good at evening skincare, but morning skincare is double cleansing, acid toning, um, exfoliating, like spritz, and then serum, and then gold roll roller, and then moisturizer. Um, but it's that. But it it's that's something that's really stayed with me during lockdown because I think it's like a anchor for the whole day yeah Um, and then I don't eat breakfast but I have my morning tea ritual as well Mm. and it's really only after all of those that I can start the day properly yeah so what time do you start eating do you do are you like do purpose intermittent fasting or you're just like not a breakfast person I do time restricted eating so I only ever eat between 12 noon and 8 p.m okay Um, yeah okay you know, I sort of, I have done intermittent, proper intermittent fasting in the past where you actually restrict your calories on two days of the week, Mm. but that's, that's a way of building up your resilience by actually stressing yourself out. So I have not found that that's a good thing to do this year because we're already stressed. 
Yes. Okay. I didn't know that. I didn't know that traditional intermittent fasting included calorie restriction. So I think actually a lot of people use the terms um, interchangeably, but they're not interchangeable. So time restricted eating is that you either usually it's 12 till eight, which is a 16 hour fast. So from 8 p.m. to 12 noon or 8 till 8, which is 12 hour fast from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. That's time restricted. Intermittent fasting actually means that you massively restrict your calories to non-consecutive days of the week. And that's to 500 calories for women and 600 for men. But the point of that is that you're essentially starving yourself and then always eating normally the next day. And that's a form of stress inoculation, which is starvation stress you can do it with cold showering as well thermal stress but Mm -hmm. it's basically completely stressing out your body and then showing it that you can recover afterwards so that's too harsh at the moment because we're you know if you're already stressed which pretty much everybody in the world is at the moment it's not a great time to be taking ashwagandha or doing intermittent fasting or doing cold showering because it's, it's too much stress for your body that's already under stress. Mm-hmm. It's a great thing to do when you're not stressed, when you've got extra bandwidth. Um, so again, with ashwagandha, people think, oh, I'm stressed, I should take ashwagandha. But it works on a basis of a physiology called hormesis, which is that it induces a stress response so that the next time you get stressed, your response isn't as great. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really passionate about people realizing that we should not be stressing ourselves out at the moment. Um, but prior to this year, yeah, of course I did all of those things. Well, and I feel the same way with Bikram yoga, like super hot yoga. Like I would do it and it would, I would be stressed out the entire time I was in there because you're like so hot, but then it was like training my my mind to be calm during those times. And like the thought of doing that right now, I'm like, there's absolutely no way. And, and Amberly, I think that's the most important message that you've given, which is that we should be listening to our bodies because mm-hmm. our bodies hold the answer. And if you are aware that you find that super stressful, you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, so true. <gasps> okay, we're already learning so much. I'm obsessed. <laughs> what is your favorite crystal? <sighs> uh, it has to be rose quartz. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the color pink. I, I am all about love. You know, it's a very healing crystal. I use, I have one by my laptop. Um, Any of my friends who want to have a baby, I send them a rose quartz egg. Mm. So, although I love amethyst and obviously clear quartz is amazing. And I love citrine. If I had to pick one, it would be rose quartz. I feel, well, especially right now too, because it's got such like a calming presence Mm. to it. We Mm. all need a little rose quartz today. (laughs) (laughs) you do you know your sun your moon and your rising yeah I'm Leo sun Libra moon and Scorpio rising Ooh, what are you (laughs) okay so I am a Leo rising um Aquarius sun and Sagittarius moon do you know Lacey is um Leo rising and Aquarius sun as well so we're oh, very really? compatible. Yeah. Okay. I'm very compatible with you and her. <laughs> okay. Love. And I love Leo. Like Leo is just the best. I love a little oh. show off sunshine vibe. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's the favorite part about myself is my Leo rising too. Um, 
Amazing. Love, love, love. Okay. So I want to talk about everything that you're doing. So were you always into the spirituality and the science combined, or did you go down the science route first and then have some kind of awakening? Like how did it all come to be? Oh, I did a strange wiggle as we would call it in English, which is that I was brought up in London, but by um, Indian parents who had emigrated from India so I was brought up with yoga, meditation, Ayurveda, spirituality. And, you know, although, you know, that was, it's absolutely part of me since my childhood, I grew up in London and I went to school with people that didn't know about any of those things and I wanted to fit in. So I very much separated them in my childhood. And then I went to medical school and obviously it's Western medicine. So again, I had to separate what I was doing formally to heal people and how, you know, what I felt I would do if something happened to me, which would be much more holistic. Mm. And so I returned to yoga in my twenties, um, having kind of rejected it in my teens because I just wanted to fit in with my friends. And then since I did my PhD in neuroscience, which was 25 years ago, um, so long, mm. like, I wish this wasn't a podcast so you, so you could see me because I don't think it looks like it's No, I was gonna say I'm like um I've seen pictures of you like are you like as good at math as you are science because that doesn't work <laughs> out <laughs> thank you um the thing is like it was the best time to be in genuinely interested in neuroscience before it was a sexy subject because then the scanning came along and it made it just so important in terms of what we understand about how we think how we feel what happens when we make a decision when we feel an emotion when we recall a memory when we take a risk and it's just been the best kind of two decades to be involved in you know such an exciting area and so I think I've been drawn to the areas that I think you really love too which are neuroplasticity and epigenetics and they sound like really crazy words but obviously we'll go into what they are. Mm, okay. I love that. I have a question that I didn't plan on asking, but it came up while you were telling us about your history. So I'm curious about like the cultural appropriation views around like the Indian culture and like, like use of things like goddesses in our, you know, white people's practices. Like what is your view on that? Well, you know, what I understand about the goddesses now is that they come from very like a wide range of old philosophies. And mm -hmm. I think that all of us can trace ourselves back to one of those old philosophies. So I think it's it's about a return to the source. And and that's what I what I meant when I said I did a wiggle, which was I started, you know, in a, a rich cultural heritage, you know, rich with goddesses and reincarnation yeah. and spirituality. And then I went to medical school. I did a Ph.D. in science but then I rediscovered yoga and meditation and genuinely wanted to return to the spirituality, not because it was my culture, but just because I wanted to. And I feel that that's a journey that a lot of people go on. So I don't think it matters if it's your culture or not. I think if that's what you're, what you feel and that's your calling, then there's a goddess for you. Yeah. And I, I've, I've, feel that way too because some people are really drawn to it and then some people aren't I'm like I feel like people like you're drawn to it for a reason like it must have something to do with your um lineage or soul lineage in some way at some point in time 
Yeah, but everybody must have, you know, something yeah. that draws them like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm actually named after a goddess. I'm Tara is the goddess of strength, yeah. and that's helped me a lot in my life. But I don't think that you have to have that name to be able to identify with strength or courage or yes. abundance or you know whatever I think it I think it comes from your heart okay so glad we talked about that okay so you have a book the source the secrets of the universe the science of the brain so tell us about the science of manifesting like what is going on in our brain and our body and our frequency okay so this was like such an interesting journey for me because like I said, I'd been interested in spirituality and the laws of attraction and manifestation and abundance anyway in my life. But then it did come to a point where having an MD and a PhD in neuroscience, I felt like it's not enough for me to just believe something that I can't understand. It doesn't have to be that it's properly explained by science. It just had to be that I could really understand and believe it. And the lovely thing about having decided to go and do the research into the cognitive science, which is the science of our thoughts, because it always felt to me that the law of attraction and manifestation was to do with how you think. And therefore, it should be explainable by cognitive science, like psychology and neuroscience, was that when I actually wrote it and it came out, loads of people that I know who are not scientific at all, people in fashion and beauty and um all sorts of different industries said that really reading some science that made sense that was based on experiments compelled them to actually do the exercises or the meditations or the visualizations or make the board where they'd read about it before but they didn't actually do it because there wasn't enough evidence for them to feel like oh my goodness this should really work mm -hmm. and that was very gratifying so I think that we all want to have faith, but it can't be completely blind. We, we at least have to believe or make, it has to make sense to us. Mm -hmm. And I just feel so blessed that neuroscience is, you know, can be such a good explanation for all of those things that we want to believe in that can make our lives so much better. Mm. So can you describe like, like how neuroscience works with manifesting? Yeah, so I mentioned neuroplasticity earlier, and that is very much at the foundation of all of my research um, in this area that sort of straddles science and spirituality, which is that we used to think that by the time we were 18, our brains and personalities and intelligence levels were really fixed. And what we know now from scanning studies is that not only is it not fixed by the age of 18, so it's actually very malleable and growing and changing in response to everything that we experience until we're about 25, but also that from 25 to 65 and before that, you can do things to actually change the way that your brain sees the world, that your brain takes opportunities that are presented to it, that it takes healthy risks, that it acts in abundance rather than out of fear. And that's very exciting to, to think that your brain has that capability. And if you channel yourself in a certain way or apply certain lifestyle factors, that you can influence that really strongly. And mm -hmm. so that's like the difference between if you have a bad breakup and you keep going over, what did I do wrong? What, you know, what did I miss? What could I have done differently? 
you know, what did he say that I didn't hear or, you know, what could that, what could she have, you know, done differently as well? Then all you're doing is reinforcing that pathway of negativity. Mm. If you think, okay, I had a breakup. What can I learn from it? What was amazing about that person? How have I become positively different because of that relationship? And what can I really healthily take into a next relationship? That's positive neuroplasticity. That's growing your brain. That's allowing trust and love and abundance to flourish throughout your brain and body. And of course, that changes how you see the world. You know, if you if you focus on what did I do wrong and why did I choose such a bad person, then all you're going to do is look out for who are the other bad people out there. If yeah. you think I met another wonderful soul, we weren't meant to be, what have we both, you know, benefited from this? Then you'll be looking for the next wonderful soul that could be the right person for you for a very long time and that you can contribute so much to. And that just changed, that's a game changer in life. Yes. And I love this example because I feel like some people really want to go back and be like, go back to their child and be like, where did this come from? Why am I like this? Why am I checking these people? And they want to, it's like, there's a difference between taking accountability and then learning your part, then, then taking the blame and shaming yourself. So if we find that we're kind of going back into the past so much, like where do we draw the line between going back to try to learn the lesson to moving forward and shifting the pattern? Because I feel like we're in the society where it's like talk therapy, talk about your problems. And yeah, there's like, I just feel like that needs to, to be, um, there's like a time and place for that, but then it's like, okay, now it's time to move forward. So do you have kind of like a practice or any insight on how we can kind of find the line between those two places? That's such a wise thing to say, Amberly. And I'm really kind of like amazed and inspired to hear you say that as a human. Whereas for me, you know, I became a psychiatrist and it was very much focused on what went wrong in your childhood. And like you said, there's a time and place for that. And I still do some work that involves that. But when I changed career to becoming a coach, it felt like, okay, you're accepting maybe what's not ideal about yourself now, but you're moving forward with it. You're not necessarily digging up the past. I mean, sometimes in cases of trauma, for example, it's really important to like understand where it's come from and be able to put it behind you. But there's a lot of value to positively moving forward. And like you and I both said, if there's a little bit of the past that really needs to be put to rest before you can do that, then that's important too. Um, so I would say that my favorite exercise to do with this is one that I call creative mentoring. And when I feel really stuck with a problem, I articulate a proper question about it as if I was going to ask it like to you or to somebody else and then I think you know I stand I actually stand in a room with plenty of space around me and I think okay this is the issue that I'm dealing with and then I will physically take seven steps backwards and I'll count the age that I was seven years ago and I'll ask myself seven years ago so you know, Tara, the age that you are seven years ago, Amber Lee, the age that you were seven years ago. I'll ask them the question, that's my dilemma. And mm -hmm. I'll actually physically turn around as if I'm facing myself now and get myself from seven years ago to answer the question. Mm -hmm. And I'll 
accept the answer and reflect on it. Then I'll come back to the middle and then I'll walk seven steps forward and I'll say, okay, now I'm Tara and I'm seven years older than I am now. And she will turn around and I'll ask her the question and she'll answer it to me. And I mean, I have been moved to tears by doing that exercise because that's all your intuition and your wisdom. It's not anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's so interesting. I have found that the answer from seven years ago and seven years in the future is pretty much the same. And you know that that's the answer. But when you're in the middle of a, you know, an issue where you feel really emotional, it's difficult to articulate that for yourself. Mm, I love that. I can't wait to try that. What a beautiful way to access what is in our hearts. And like the, like you said, like the answer that we already know, but like the fear or the insecurity or whatever is blocking it. So definitely going to be trying that. Um, so we've talked a little bit about like neuroplasticity. I want to talk about epigenetics. So Epigenetics is really changing like our physical body, right? Like, okay. So let's have a quick chat about luxury and spirituality. If you are listening to this, I am sure you enjoy the finer things in life that you're super intentional. And that means you would love my jewelry brand prism and no, it's not that hippy dippy spiritual jewelry. It's like chic, elegant, gold and silver jewelry with your choice of diamonds or white topaz and every piece is made with intention. We have a solar plexus activating necklace that makes you more abundant and I get so many compliments on it. It's called the Sunray necklace. We have a moon necklace that reminds you to honor all sides of yourself, even your shadows. And we have an entire fifth dimension 5D consciousness collection if you are ready to go super deep into your ascension. And I'll also add that I have two beautiful co-founders. One of them is my amazing friend Chantal, who designs all of our jewelry. And the other is Whitney Rose from the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Yes, one of my business partners is one of the Real Housewives. And I have married all my favorite things in life, spirituality, fashion, and reality TV. But I digress. It is time to treat yourself, get something chic, don't wait for someone else to buy jewelry for you. Women have this weird thing about buying jewelry for themselves, but in my opinion, jewelry is something that becomes part of your soul. So you need to pick it out for yourself with your intentions in mind. So go treat yourself. I'm giving you 11% off anything on the shop. Yes, a discount for diamonds. It's unheard of. So go to prismlifestyle.co and use chakra girl at checkout. And every piece also comes with an intention setting ritual to infuse your own intentions into your jewelry to just create the best life. So go to prismlifestyle.co and use code chakra girl at checkout from our thoughts. Can you describe that a little bit? Yeah. So you've actually, because like, honestly, I want everyone to know we did not plan any questions in advance and you have done this no. so beautifully. <laughs> um, so epigenetics is taking that to a much more expanded level and basically saying that not all of our problems are explainable by what's happened in our conscious past. Mm. So it's, it's not necessarily something that happened in our childhood or even when we were in the womb, because we might know about that. You know, if somebody had a mother that was experiencing domestic violence or taking drugs, then you might know about that. And although, you know, that's a genetic and an environmental influence, what epigenetics is, is the influence of the environment on your gene expression. So there's this whole nature-nurture debate 
And, you know, we have a set of genes and DNA that we inherit from our parents and, you know, all our ancestors, but that's not the same in every generation. And so the most sort of stunning studies on epigenetics were done um, after the Dutch famine, which was a very famous time period where an enclosed set of people were exposed to extreme stress and the Holocaust and the Holocaust survivors. And so in both of those scenarios, people suppressed certain gene activities to survive. So with the Dutch famine, it was starvation. And with the Holocaust, it was extreme stress. Like the both were extreme stress, but one was much more specifically starvation and one was much more generalized stress. And what we've seen is that to be able to survive that, um, the Dutch famine survivors had to suppress their hunger hormones, which are related to certain genes. And the Holocaust survivors had to suppress their stress and anxiety reactivity. And they're not just their children and not just children that were in the womb when they were experiencing that, but children that they may have had later and their grandchildren inherited the genes that they had suppressed, not the genes that they were born with. Mm. Now that could mean that you had a bigger propensity to have obesity or diabetes or to be very slim and not have any insulin resistance issues. And with the Holocaust survivors, that could mean that you had more stress and anxiety or you were more resilient. So it depended on all sorts of things like at what point of expecting to become pregnant or which trimester of pregnancy or which first part of breastfeeding um, these children were born in. But basically it shows that if your ancestors experience a certain stress, that can actually change your genetics. But the really hopeful part of that is that your lifestyle factors can change your gene expression. Mm -hmm. So even if you inherited the likelihood to be more stressed and anxious, you can change that by some of the things that you do, not just for yourself, but for your children and perhaps many generations in future. Mm. One like mystery of the world that I find so interesting is like junk DNA um, and how we only use, like, are we only, I, I guess like mainstream science only understands like 12% of our DNA. Um, do you know what the rest of it's for? <laughs> I know the strap line of my book was the secrets of the universe, but I don't know everything. Okay. Um, but, but what I do know is that there was this trend for, it was, a, it was a very romantic trend for, um, introducing, let's say that, you know, you were with a partner and, um, you introduced a tiny element of your junk DNA and their junk DNA into a tree so that it would be sort of, you know, it could carry on for 200 years or more. But that actually became illegal because there's a gray area now around junk DNA, which is that it's not purely junk. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, it's, it's not my area of expertise, but I would also say that it's, it's an area that's not very well understood at the moment. So there does seem to be some, you know, remnants of our whole DNA and gene expression system that aren't used in our lifetime. But I think the point about epigenetics is that they could be used if we switched on or off different um, genes by the way that we behave with our lifestyle factors. Yeah. So how do our thought, like, 
I want to know kind of like the science behind the epigenetics. So like, how does like the thought actually go? Okay. So let's have a quick chat about luxury and spirituality. If you are listening to this, I am sure you enjoy the finer things in life that you're super intentional. And that means you would love my jewelry brand prism and no, it's not that hippy dippy spiritual jewelry. It's like chic, elegant, gold and silver jewelry with your choice of diamonds or white topaz and every piece is made with intention. We have a solar plexus activating necklace that makes you more abundant and I get so many compliments on it. It's called the Sunray necklace. We have a moon necklace that reminds you to honor all sides of yourself, even your shadows. And we have an entire fifth dimension 5D consciousness collection if you are ready to go super deep into your ascension. And I'll also add that I have two beautiful co-founders. One of them is my amazing friend Chantal, who designs all of our jewelry. And the other is Whitney Rose from the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Yes, one of my business partners is one of the Real Housewives. And I have married all my favorite things in life, spirituality, fashion, and reality TV. But I digress. It is time to treat yourself, get something chic. Don't wait for someone else to buy jewelry for you. Women have this weird thing about buying jewelry for themselves, but in my opinion, jewelry is something that becomes part of your soul. So you need to pick it out for yourself with your intentions in mind. So go treat yourself. I'm giving you 11% off anything on the shop. Yes. A discount for diamonds. It's unheard of. So go to prismlifestyle.co and use chakra girl at checkout. And every piece also comes with an intention setting ritual to infuse your own intentions into your jewelry to just create the best life. So go to prismlifestyle.co and use code chakra girl at checkout. Went and like change the cell. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's such a brilliant question. So, so basically um, you have to think of pretty much everything and whether we say the brain and the body or whether we say thoughts and neurotransmitters or emotions and hormones, that all of those things and many more act in a bi-directional way. And actually, if you think, you know, let's take something that's very tangible for everyone, which is our gut microbiome. Mm. So those bacteria in our gut, they, um, we know that the gut neurons and the brain talk to each other. And we know that the gut bacteria talks to the gut cells. But what we found out recently through research called psychobiotic research is that those gut bacteria actually separately signal directly to the brain. Mm. So if your gut bacteria are in bad condition because you eat processed food or you're very stressed or you take lots of antibiotics or you drink a lot of alcohol, then they release chemical messages into the blood that signals stress to the brain. And it's there's something called paracrine signaling, which is that they tell the cells next to them that they should be leaky and in bad condition, and then we don't absorb lots of nutrients. And so obviously, if that goes on, then you don't get the benefits of your nutrition. You, you get brain fog that leads to like poor memory and poor focus and concentration. And these are all two-way things. So even if your gut bacteria is in super good condition because you eat kimchi and kefir and drink kombucha all the time, if you're super, super stressed and you're focusing on that last breakup or that last job loss or just hopeless thoughts about the future, that's going to actually affect 
the quality and diversity of your gut bacteria and lead to this sort of vicious circle. Mm. And so the thought piece is just like that, which is that if you keep looping on negative thoughts, then that increases the ratio of your stress hormone cortisol. And it's like a seesaw. The more you have of that, the less you have of the bonding hormone oxytocin, which allows you to love and trust and take healthy risks. And so your whole worldview becomes the world isn't a safe place. I shouldn't take a risk. I shouldn't go dating because I'll only get hurt. I shouldn't go networking because I'll never get to start my own business. And the more you allow that loop to keep occurring, you can see how you go down a completely negative spiral. And whereas if you start thinking, okay, there's a pandemic going on, but there's an opportunity here for X thing that you know everybody needs at the moment. And if I can fulfill that need, I could be really successful and loads of people will be really grateful to me and I'll make lots of new friends and I'll expand my social circle. I'll have a huge sense of purpose and sense of belonging. That's a completely different story. Mm. And there are studies on identical twins that show when they make those sorts of choices, how it actually changes their likelihood to get diabetes, heart disease, to stay married, to live longer. Um, basically, there's a quote from Naomi Judd, which I love, which is your body here, what hears what your mind says. Yes, I love that. And I even like for people who want to like change things in their body, whether it's like health or their weight or anything, like I know for myself, like if I'm focusing on the outcome that I want and, you know, really like, for example, I've, I always had this idea that I was just a little bit chubby and I was just, I just decided that that's what it was. Um, and then this year, like having so much more time because of the pandemic and like just being at home more, I was like, I'm shifting this belief. Like I'm totally changing this. And I've lost like 16 pounds and obviously I've worked out and been eating healthier, but it's because I like changed the thought and changed the belief and changed the belief that, Oh, I can't work out at home or, Oh, I'm not good at working out or I don't like working out. And it's like, when we can shift the way that we think about things, it shifts our actions too. That's so amazing, especially Amberly, because this year with everybody having higher circulating levels of the stress hormone, it's very normal to store fat around your abdomen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, as a neuroscientist, I've known about that for a long time, but this year I've really thought, this is amazing how your body changes mm -hmm. to help you survive. Totally. Um, and I love what you said about how our gut health change. It's like, it goes both ways. It's like your thoughts change your gut health, your gut health changes your thoughts. So I actually just had my appendix removed. Um, I had like an like acute append appendicitis, like very mm -hmm. random, like I was totally fine. And then within two hours, I was like getting my, I was like off to the hospital. Um, I wish I had more time to like make other choices or like decide I was like so pressured into doing it, but that's a whole other story. Um, but I had to take 
uh, antibiotics. Like I was on like an IV drip of antibiotics for two days. And I can definitely, like, I keep saying to my husband, like, I feel like I lost my chi. Like, I just don't feel the same. Um, and I've been doing like all like the inner work and the spiritual stuff and it's, it's slowly coming back. But one thing that I have not done is the gut health thing. So if people are realizing like, okay, yeah, I definitely need to work on my gut health. Where can we, what are some things we can do today? Wow. I, I just love that you said this because there's so many things that we can say here. I so, know. so <laughs> um, yeah, I feel, I feel for you like being pressured into that and, you know, I know that if I, if that happened to me, there's so many things I would start doing like immediately before, you know, like even having the surgery or whatever. So yeah. quite well, a few things. So basically like I, so I'll just kind of say like, I was just totally fine at like noon and then my stomach kind of started to hurt. And then by like three o'clock, I was like, I need to go to the hospital. Like this pain is unbearable. Oh and God. then I was, they're like, okay, yeah, we need to get your appendix out. I'm like, well, what are my other choices? And they're like, your appendix explodes and you die. And I was like, yeah. are you sure those are the only options? And like, they're like, you need to decide like now because there's only one more surgery spot today. And so I was like, uh, and they gave me like five minutes to decide. To be honest, Amberly as an MD, I, I think I would have had my appendix removed as well. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> at the same time as starting all the antibiotics pre-surgery, I, um, you know, things I try to do already, which is that I do actually take a probiotic supplement and I'm happy to talk about that in a, in a while, but it's best, you know, unless there's some kind of emergency like that to try to get it naturally from foods. Mm. And so, um, you know, the lactobacilli you can get from kefir mm. um, and other fermented dairy or non-dairy products, um, eating fermented foods like sauerkraut, kimchi, drinking kombucha, um, those are things that we should be trying to have in our diets like every day. Um, and the prebiotic foods like onion, garlic, artichoke, asparagus, as much as possible. Um, this year, well, since the first lockdown, I have also taken a probiotic supplement and, you know, a really good quality one with at least 50 billion strains of bacteria in it is, is what I would recommend. I, I have actually written a blog on which probiotics you should take for different issues that you might have. And because obviously I'm a neuroscientist, I've written about the ones that are particularly relevant to insomnia, anxiety, depression, stress, don't ask me to say the names of them now, please put <laughs> we'll, the blog we'll on your blog. show notes. Yeah, we'll find the blog. <laughs> um, I actually, I did an IGTV about it, but you can see that I've written the names down and then my notepad falls off the desk and I'm kind of like laughing whilst I'm doing the IGTV. No shame in that. Funny names and numbers. Um, and then I think, you know, if you've actually had a course of antibiotics, you really need to take pro probiotics for two to three months afterwards okay. um, because you really need to help your gut microbiome to get back to its previous level of um, diversity and quality. So we also know that if you get cognitive behavioral therapy, it, it improves the quality and diversity of your gut bacteria. I mean, mind blowing. Mm. Even as a former psychiatrist, I can't get my head around that. It's insane. Mm. Um, we know that sleeping and waking at the same time, so regular circadian rhythms, because your back, gut bacteria have circadian rhythms too, that mm. also helps them to be healthy. 
We don't know why, but exercise helps our gut bacteria to be healthy. Mm. Um, eating, you know, lots of vegetables and a high fiber diet obviously really helps the gut bacteria. Um, so loads of things for you to be doing, Amberly. I'm ready to get back into the exercising. I've been putting it off, but you actually, when you mentioned that you've been like craving yoga, I've been craving yoga as well, but not hot yoga, but I think I'm just going to start doing it at home. I can, again, I'm going to shift the belief that I have to go into a yoga, a yoga studio to do yoga. And I'm going to figure yeah. out how to do it at home. Exactly. Oh, okay. Love this so much. Um, I feel like I could talk to you all day. But <laughs> so before we move on to the next segment, like, is there a way for people to work with you or like how can, or, or is it best for people to just be, you know, following you and absorbing your content or like, how can we support you? Oh, that's so lovely. I'm so passionate about helping as many people as I can that I've really moved away from my Mm -hmm. um, private practice because that was, you know, I only had the number of hours in a day that I could work and I was working like crazy. I was traveling around the world. I was jet lagged all the time. I was just working too hard. But, you know, even then that was mostly with sort of executives, mostly in financial services. And I just really, you know, I wrote the book, The Source, because I felt like everyone has a brain, everybody wants to have the best life that they can have, and everyone should have access to that. So now it's, you know, and my book has translations in 36 languages, which is just makes me so happy. Um, So there's the book, I'm very active on Instagram, and I do try to interact with everybody that writes to me. And but I, you know, just constantly put out good material. Doing a podcast with you, Amberly, is just like, such an important way for me to get that message out there, particularly this year with all the mental health problems and everything. So I think, you know, if people buy my book, listen to the podcasts that I do, follow me on Instagram, that's just the, that would be the best, loveliest thing that I could ask for. Mm, Definitely. Okay. That actually brings up another question. So for people who are kind of in a place of depression right now or in a really dark place because of the pandemic and everything that's going on politically, um, how can we retrain our brains? Like what are there some like specific tools that we can use to um, to get ourselves back to our true selves, to our light, to our spark? Yeah, really good question. And, you know, I can answer this question from having been absolutely at the bottom of my life um, some 12 or 13 years ago, where, you know, I got divorced, I moved countries, I quit medicine and started up, you know, trying to become a coach. And, what I realized at that point was that if I didn't understand what was going on for me emotionally right now, I could see how you could end up on a psychiatric ward, which is where I had worked for the previous seven years. And so I would say probably the most basic tool that people could turn to right now is the Kubler-Ross change curve. And that is like, it's a curve which looks like a roller coaster of emotions that we go through when we are confronted with some kind of change or grief that we didn't expect or we don't want. And just understanding where you are on that curve is so helpful in itself. But also, if you're in a relationship, a family, a friendship, a team, a community, 
understanding that different people go through that curve at different rates is super helpful. So the curve is, I mean, you know, please again, put a link to it, but people can just Google it. It's basically shock, anger, denial, and then like, why me? And then bargaining and then depression. And then it turns into acceptance. Now imagine just today, just imagine today, Amberly, that you were on the depression part of that curve. But I am on the anger part of that curve. So imagine we started this podcast and you said, Tara, you know, I just, I really need you to lead this podcast because I'm just feeling so low and I, I, I'm not motivated. I can't think of anything to ask you. Um, you know, I wanted to reschedule, but we're here now. Mm. Imagine if I was feeling angry at that time. Mm. How I would say, Amber Lee, why didn't you reschedule? Why are you wasting my time? But why, why are you expecting me to take the load for this when I'm really stressed too? Mm. Or, or, you know, or turn that completely around. Like imagine yeah. your guest turns up completely depressed. Mm-hmm. So I think when we can have compassion for other people, when we can acknowledge our own emotions and still have a little bit left to have compassion for the other person, we can both carry on. When you can't do that anymore, it, that's very hard to deal with. And that's you know probably when you do need a coach or a therapist or a, or a psychiatrist um, who, who, you know, who can massively help if, if you get to that point of being so depressed that you, that it's not enough to do your own work or turn to your friends or family. But I think that many of us, you know, who don't have a formal mental illness, a clinical mental illness, would be massively helped by understanding where we are on that curve before it gets too late. What a, like, I got like goosebumps when you said, you said, when we, when you can acknowledge your own feelings and still have enough room left to acknowledge someone else's feelings or to have compassion for someone else's feelings. Like, wow, the first step, like, again, the example you gave, if I were like in the angry position or something, but I didn't realize that I was feeling angry that day, Mm. I would think I was just in the right. Like I was just right. And you were just wrong. But if I already knew that I was angry that day, then I could, you know, real, I could be like, I could have compassion for myself and be like, Oh, Amberly, you're just angry. I know that, you know, your, your schedule is important, but we need to have compassion for her too. Like, like just acknowledging how you're feeling. What a concept, like how often are we actually doing that? Completely. And I think, you know, add on top of that for us women with our cycles, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, our cycles have been absolutely deranged by this crisis. I, one of my friends owns a period tracking app um, that 120,000 women are signed up to. And she told me everyone's cycles are completely off oh, since, wow. Feb- since February. Is it, yeah. Is it Elisa VT? No, it's Moody Month. Oh, Moody Month. Okay. Well, have yeah. To- yeah, yeah, it's, it's, she's amazing. She's just written a book as well called Moody, <laughs> which, oh. you know, I definitely have been since March. Yeah. So, yeah. My, my husband probably wants me to get that book. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, amazing. I love this. You also talked um, in our questionnaire, you said something about action boards. 
Yes, I wanted to say that earlier when you said, you know, if if someone's in a real funk, what can they do to get themselves out of it? I think, you know, as long as we're not talking about clinical levels of depression or anxiety, then um, something that's helped me so much this year, although I, again, have been doing it for 12 or 13 years, is creating a collage. Um, You know, none of us have had as much access to magazines this year as, you know, as being sort of more digital. So I have actually done mine on Pinterest Um, There's also a really great app called Corculus that you can use where you find images. They can be literal or metaphorical to represent things that you really want in your life, like what you want your life to look like next year or what you want to look like or just how you want to feel or a specific job that you want or a specific travel destination or even an amount of money that you want to earn. My favorite stories are all there, like getting engaged, getting married, having babies kind of stories, because they're just so like lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, so you create that, um, what I call an action board. And the reason I call it an action board is because, again, like you said, you know, there have been a lot of, um, there's been a lot of talk about vision boards. And as a scientist, I always felt that it was kind of like, okay, create a fantasy of what you want and then just wait for it to come true. And that wasn't really enough for for me Mm -hmm. to believe that it would work. And so how I've sort of put it together is that your brain, it filters out what's not important to it. It focuses attention on what is important and it tags pieces of data, which is everything, you know, that we experience through all our senses in order of importance. Now you can let that happen randomly or you can prime your brain to notice the things that you know that you want. And, you know, when we're all focused on doing the day job, homeschooling children, putting food on the table, it's our brain is not going to focus on, you know, that amazing thing that we want in a year or in 10 years. Mm. And so you really do have to create imagery, look at it regularly, visualize it coming true, and do something every day, no matter how small, even if it's just an affirmation or writing in your journal, or it could be something a bit more like networking or, you know, listening to a podcast um, to move yourself towards those goals. Yes. I feel like, so I always say you can't just like meditate your way to the life you want. Like, it'd be great if that was like the only thing we had to do, but we Mm. need be doing those needle movers like if you need to get the energy into momentum towards what you want so that it can come into you I love that yes oh okay action boards that's what I'm going to start calling them now love okay so let's move on to manic moments and manifesting where we talk about our last meltdown and the last thing we manifested and I can go first so I keep like trying to come up with a reason for my appendicitis and I'm like driving myself crazy and I went on a google rabbit hole and convinced myself that I had colon cancer so that was a fun couple of days Uh, (laughs) and so I went I literally was in I went to the emergency for like a whole day got all these tests and turned out I was they said I was just constipated so (laughs) 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 they're like you're literally full of poop (laughs) I was like okay you definitely need to take a proper probiotic exactly so that was not fun but the manifestation out of that is I I feel like anytime we for example reach so for me I felt like I was really connected to my body 
But when we reach like a new level of ourselves, I feel like we need to become even more connected to our bodies. And I feel like, I mean, there's, I don't know if there was necessarily a physical reason that this happened, but I know a spiritual reason could be that I'm meant to connect more to my body. I meant to focus more on my gut health, which I haven't even thought about yet. You know, I was probably, you know, just, there's always, there's always a lesson. There's always something positive out of it. So I just kind of been shifting it from that place of fear of like, what's wrong with me? Why did this happen to, um, to what can I learn from this and what is exciting about this and how can I, you know, continue to learn and and connect to myself in different ways. So it's kind of full circle that we're talking about this when it's kind of the same thing we talked about (laughs) at the beginning. Um, but yeah, just like that shift in how you're approaching something, even though it was obviously a negative thing that happened in my life but shifting it to learning the lesson has been a journey for me. So grateful for it. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, I've really gone into doctor mode listening to this, but our appendix is the only thing in our body that we really don't need. So I think you've actually got off very lightly if if that's given you the lesson of reconnecting to your body. And uh, I'm very excited for you to um, take some probiotics and really focus on your gut health. I think it'll be really great. Yeah. And I'm like, I love sauerkraut. Why aren't I eating it more? Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited for the sauerkraut. That's my manifestation. And I think having this podcast right now is part of the manifestation. Like how crazy is that? Well, I think we should probably share with everyone that we were meant to speak about two months ago, was it yes. a month and a half ago? And you had this like crazy drilling outside your house. So yes. we had to oh cancel at the last moment. Oh the funny thing is, my son was was with us at the time and you know we've been in in lockdown and now we're in lockdown again in the UK so it was a very rare long weekend that he was here and I remember thinking how lucky I am that I I don't have to do a podcast at eight or nine o'clock at night when you know I've got three days with my son um, oh, it worked out perfectly for both of us <laughs> it really did because I actually said to my husband I can't remember the date that I was meant to be doing this podcast but it was when Tom was here um so yeah, that was, that was lovely. Um, so I, I would say I've had lots of mini meltdowns this year for sure. Um, but I'd love to share the story about my biggest meltdown because um, I think it sort of, you know, kind of gives a lot of like hope and resonance to people. So um, about 12 or 13 years ago, I got divorced from my first marriage and I was completely devastated. And I remember thinking, I will never ever get married again because I I could not bear to go through this again. And I managed to keep up that belief for nine years. Mm. And, you know, starting a new career. So it was very easy to throw myself into work. And I started not just working really long hours, but also traveling excessively. And, you know, it was just too busy to to meet someone. And that was a really great excuse. Um, So, as it came towards 2015, I thought, I started to realize there's no balance in my life. I'm just, I'm just, you know, running away from my life by working the whole time. And, you know, my friends were starting to say things like our children don't know who you are anymore. And we never know which country you're in. And, and I would just get angry with them for saying that, you know, and I'd sort of say, well, I'll take some time off in the summer, or I'll take some time off over Christmas, and then I'll spend quality time with you, but you can't expect anything from me in between that. Um, so for my vision board for 2015, I thought, okay, I probably need more balance. I should 
probably be more open to meeting someone again. So I put a tiny heart on my vision board, but it was all about travel and work. So it came to the end of, towards the end of 2015. And one of my neuroscience professor friends said to me, you said you were going to find husband number two this year, but you haven't. And I think it really hit me then that I had not meant it or committed to it at all. And I really believe in action boards. And I thought, okay, you have to do this properly or just say you're never going to do it again. You know, just say you're going to be single for the rest of your life or do it properly. So I was flicking through some magazines and newspapers and I found this picture of an engagement ring and it was massive. And I thought, okay, there's no bigger statement than that. So I cut out this massive engagement ring, put it top left corner. And then I was flicking through more and I saw this Tiffany advert that said joy comes out of the blue. And it really, really drew me. And I don't normally put writing on my action boards. It's all images. But I just, I couldn't, you know, stop thinking about this phrase. And I, I cut it out and I put it on the board and I took it off and then I put it back on again. And so I put it top center. That was December 2015. In February 2016, the 2nd of February 2016, I was flying back from South Africa on business and there was a problem on the plane and I had to speak to the man that was sitting next to me. And nine months later, we were engaged. And a year after that, we were married. (laughs) Oh my God. I love an airplane meet engagement story. Like that is (laughs) so like there, it does not get more mystical than that. I know. I mean, it does make you think we must've been meant to meet because what were the chances of that? Right. Exactly. And especially like, especially sometimes you know you're on a flight you're sitting beside someone you don't even talk to them and then there was a problem on the plane and you had to talk to them so oh my gosh it all lined up for you that's so powerful um and was the ring from Tiffany's the ring one no it wasn't from (laughs) Tiffany's and it didn't look exactly like the other picture either but but it's it's pretty substantial (laughs) oh my gosh so exciting well I'm so happy for you Thank you. Have you gotten married or are you still engaged? Yeah, no, I got married. Um, through, I just had, we just had our third anniversary. Oh, so nice. <laughs> oh, okay, well, this, I'm like, I, can we just like talk all day? If it wasn't so late for you, I'd make you talk to me for longer. But I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this has been delightful and hopefully we can continue to like, I don't know, support each other, work together, something because- I'd love- Yes. Well, where can everyone find you? Um, Well, like I said, my my most interactive place is Instagram, where I'm um, Dr. Tara Swart. I'm also on Twitter, Tara Swart. I've got a website, Tara Swart. Um, And yeah, my book, The Source, The Secrets of the Universe, Science of the Brain, is out now in the US in paperback as well as hardback and Audible and Kindle. Okay, yay. We're going to link everyone to the book as well. Thank you everyone so much for listening. Go check out all the amazing things that Tara's doing and we'll catch you guys next week. Bye guys. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, karma's real. So if you love this episode, go leave a comment, rate us five stars and subscribe and you're gonna manifest a mini heart chakra upgrade because you gotta give if you wanna receive. Also, make sure to follow me on Instagram at chakragirlco and shoot me a DM. I'm here to chat. 
Also, you can find more info on this episode at chakragirlco.com. That's where you're going to access the show notes. And while you're on my website, check out the newest online hotspot, the Chakra Girl Glam and Grounded membership. We would love to help you activate those chakras, babe. So step into that chic life and join us in the Glam and Grounded membership. Love you, mean it. See you next Tuesday. Thanks for listening.